Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to listen to Beers, Business, and Balls and thousands of other podcasts today. This is episode 58, Monday, August 23rd. Jake and Will back at you. And finally, we're able to run an episode where we can confidently talk about baseball, partner. I mean, it's been like many weeks since we've been optimistic with this sport. Uh, the Yankees were giving us Ajita. Now they're not. Um, and we have a kick-ass guest in Jess Kleinschmidt to, to break down all the stuff that's going on in the baseball world. Yeah, I mean, especially with, we didn't really even touch upon Little League World Series a lot, but that's been, you know, consuming a lot of everyone's time on watching baseball. But like Jake mentioned, you know, Yankees are so back, nine straight wins. Um, reinforcements are coming. Luke Voigt's on an absolute tear. The bats are getting hot. I mean, it's a fun time. It is Nestor Cortez is an ace. Who would have ever thought? I mean, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. It's one of those things where it's like beginning of July, 10 and a half games back, third place, Blue Jays on the tail to now surpassing the lead completely. I think four games back from the Rays in first, their sole possession of the first wildcard spot by two and a half games. And the Blue Jays have collapsed a little bit too. I think they're like five and there there's a five and a half game lead between them and the Red Sox are tumbling and it's all as well in the world. I think they hold the third best record in the American league. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think Cause they're, are they in front of the white Sox technically? Yeah. They just, they just bumped the white Sox. Oh Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. So Which is crazy. Sox, I mean, the, the red Sox are getting exposed. That's what I'm hearing. They're oh, getting yeah. exposed for not being a good team. And again, it's like, there's still a few more weeks and stuff. And like, there's some, you know, big games ahead, but they, the mighty have fallen. They have, they fell, they collapsed. Even with Chris sale coming back, it's like, things are just not clicking for them, which is, I mean, 162 game season you know you cannot it's not it's not the uh the mickey mouse club right now it's not the mickey mouse season 60 games and you can be a world series champ it's like the full the full stretch the teams that get hot in the fall are your new york yankees and great few weeks ahead but we'll talk more baseball with jess in a bit yeah jess is awesome and we'll, yeah. we'll get into all the good stuff we talked about, but Jess again, gives us one of the most real authentic conversations on baseball that we've really had uh, from any guests and happy to have her back for the second time on the show too. She joins a very elite group of people that have only been on this show or that have been on the show more than once, I should say. So stick around for Jess. Um, Everything about baseball is just enhanced with a cold beer. You know, Mm -hmm. when I think, I think of baseball and when I think of baseball I think of beer so let's let's review some beer get ourselves ready to talk some baseball with Jess what have you had recently yeah so a lot of great beer um as the summer closed out I was going to do something for malted barley but I can't find the list of the beers that I had haven't checked them in on untapped so I'll go over to uh up in Massachusetts originally located in Braintree but they had a pop-up shot in uh Quincy Center Quincy Massachusetts Widowmaker uh, we don't make a brewing company. Um, I had, I, I thought first off, like they are very good IPAs. They were just, you know, the classic hazy new England IPAs. That's what, like the rotation that they had there. Um, I thought they all tasted the same, which was an issue in terms of like, you know, they, they had four new England IPAs that like in a blind taste test, you cannot tell the difference between the four on the flip side of that. They were all very good IPAs. 
So I, the one I'm going to rate, which is the first one I had was Blue Comet, um, packed with Simcoe and Comet hops, providing a ripe tropical fruit nose that is backed up with a taste of different citruses. Um, they mentioned pears as well, and it has a soft biscuity malt character. I gave it a four out of five. Um, I thought the color was really good. It's like that bright, bright yellow, that hazy, wasn't too heavy either for a New England IPA. Um, but the only downside of all of the beers, it's like they all tasted the same, but at least they, you know, there were high quality beers, but four, four out of five for Widowmaker Brewing. I feel like we've discussed this on the show before, but like, what's the breaking point where you're out drinking and you have a couple of New England, like thick 7% IPAs and you're just like, all right, it's my X amount. Like they just all taste the same now. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, it was the beginning of the day too. And it was like, you know, the, the, the vibe of the day was not breweries, but they had the pop-up shop and we wanted to go, um, just grab a quick lunch before we head to the city. And, you know, when you go and it's like, they're having these beers, like, I think they were like only like five or six bucks too, which is like, I mean, a steal and a half, you know, for, you know, good quality IPAs. But so I was like, oh yeah, you know, we'll try, you know, try two or three of them and everyone kind of got different ones, but it was like, yeah, beginning of the day and they all tasted same. It was just a bad news bear situation but overall not too bad yeah it's one of those where it's just like you know it's the craft beers flowing and the breweries aren't the like if you're starting the day off with new england ipas and you go to like rum and cokes later that's yeah it's that's a rough. tough it's a tough one <laughs> it makes for a tough afternoon for sure yeah um i did something similar a couple of weeks ago when i was in texas um this was later on in the day and we were, you know, we went to a beer bar before we went out, which again, you know, that's, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But I was like, I had heard about this beer that I'm about to review. Uh, it's called the Temptress by Lakewood Brewing Company. Great location out of Garland, Texas. If you guys are ever down there. Um, I was out a couple of nights before and people were just flowing it and go, you got to get Temptress. You have to get Temptress. It's on draft. It's on, you know, it's, it's on the nitro pours at some places too. So I'm like, screw it. You know, I had an IPA before and, you know, we're, we were getting one more drink before we went out to like drink margaritas and stuff. And I'm like, screw it. I'll, I'll just get this temptress. Little did I know 9.1% milk stout. Um, Ugh. Very thick. In the Texas heat. In the damn Texas heat. It was 95 degrees all week. It was bad. It was a nice night out. So I didn't really feel it, but um, instantly when i took a sip i'm like that shit is delicious that was a great selection um i have zero regrets about doing it um even with drowning myself in tequila afterwards but uh one of those like jet black stouts mm-hmm. had a nice white head you knew it was a nitro like pour basically um chocolate marshmallow whatever you want to call it it was one of those stouts and i was genuinely surprised by how good texans can make stouts so give me yeah four out of five i don't know that you've had texas beer i certainly had not before this i was impressed yeah no i've had a couple i don't remember off the top of my head you know stuff that you see at like you know a beer garden a malted barley or or a bar or something but yeah i mean texas is that up and coming i don't think it's even up and coming anymore in terms of beer scene like they're just they i would probably have to say they're the 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 massachusetts of the south in terms of you know beer yeah. Especially with the major cities. I mean, you have like Dallas, Houston, Austin, you know, Garland's not big, but it's still like, it's, it, it's up there. Um, Dallas Metro. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, they Austin. could, I mean, they could start rivaling like the North Carolina scene. Mm. 
that's what I, that was the one North Carolina is probably like your North Carolina is probably your Massachusetts and Texas is your Rhode Island. <laughs> well, that, that opens the door of what's the better beer scene. And maybe that's, that's yeah. a, you know, cause Rhode Island versus Massachusetts beer scene. That's, that's a bloody argument. That's been, Oh yeah. Huh. Love to do a Southern road trip. Start, start uh, asking the hard hitting big J questions to these beer, these brewery scenes. Who does it better? Yeah. Just going, oh man, that'd be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Stop at like six or seven of them. Yeah. Man, North Carolina, you know, I, they have a great beer scene there too. And, and it's a good comparison to what Dallas is too, because Dallas has like that metro area where it's just like two hours of a circle where you can, it takes like two and a half hours to get from the northwest most point of like the Dallas metro to the southern area. And it's like, you know, packed with breweries, packed with different cities cool stuff to do um personally i like austin a little bit better but i mean the beer scene is you know i was, I was really impressed with dallas as beer scene goes yeah uh, yeah kind of like atlanta it's, it's honestly exactly like atlanta at this point for mm. beer um and atlanta is another place that you are shocked when you get down there it's like ipa can hold itself with you know the massachusetts and rhode island beers yeah i don't i don't know i think it's like which is more of a, a marketing or distribution issue that like these Southern breweries don't really venture out, you know, because it's like, because I feel like you have your California beers, like everyone and their mother knows, knows Stone IPA and like Stone's not like anything to write home about because now it's like, you know, over distributed and kind of just like a, a big player. But, you know, even with like a Sierra Nevada and like stuff like that, um, but in terms of like, I feel like everyone in the beer scene knows Treehouse. You know, everyone in the beer scene's starting to know your trilliums and like stuff like that. Even like Tilted Barn somehow gets like a rep, you know, pretty much all along the East Coast, which is weird enough. But you know, you don't really hear it up here about Southern beers. Like there's no like, I couldn't tell you a brewery that's like, oh yeah, like, you know, you have a heady topper like Alchemist, but like in Georgia, like I don't know. Yeah. You know? Georgia, I mean, there's like Orpheus, which is like not, mate yeah yeah it's not that common i would say yeah that's probably the, one of the big players but it's still like you have to like really be like in the weeds of the uh the beer scene to know that like an orpheus yeah and i feel like a casual fan knows oh heady topper the silver can from vermont the casual fan obviously knows the treehouse like you don't know your orpheus is no the orphei orphei orpheus <laughs> yeah i don't know uh man i i don't know i was just it's one of those things that like it, it kind of shocks you when you get down there. You're like, oh, cool, there there actually is a good beer scene. And whether it's by you know their failure to distribute or just by their own stubbornness, which it's fucking Texas, I'd assume that has something to do with it. You know, pretty surprised. Uh, mm -hmm. Stuff from the beer scene this week. Um, big shout out to Widowmaker too. Go hit that pop up um, in Quincy. Is it done? Is it like a one weekend? I don't thing? know. Like I didn't. It was it was too packed to like sit there and ask questions. So you know, I would have you know pick the guy's brain for a little bit but we're also just in a rush but they made it seem like um the restaurant there the guy i wish i had the name of that too they didn't have any advertising he said he's like oh yeah my place is up the street in quincy but he made these short rib tacos that were fire um but yeah they didn't really have any like advertising or banners on it it was just like a little pop-up tent so it might have just been for the weekend um but yeah i mean widowmaker i've i've, I've 
had some of their beer before. I've never been to their actual location, but wrapped somewhere. Yeah, it was probably malted barley. I bet you it was. Yeah, or even like Laura's or Blackie's. Like I feel like someone had it. Or like a Boston bar of some sort too. Yeah, distribute pretty well to my knowledge. Yeah, so I mean they they had some good stuff. Yeah, all good stuff going around from uh, the New England beer scene too, and we'll we'll get into that in the next couple of weeks with some more guests um, to talk some New England beer too. Um, all right, let's go into business. And what a blow to the content creation world. And for those of you that like OnlyFans, you may be in for a, a rude awakening these next couple of weeks. Uh, OnlyFans has made the decision to ban content containing sexually explicit conduct while still allowing nudity consistent with its acceptable use policy. Uh, okay. My initial reaction has not changed, and that is, what are what are they doing? First, yeah, of all. Um, you have, and we'll go through the numbers in a second. I'm sure um, you have to imagine like so much. I'd say well over seventy or eighty percent of their content creators are playing in that space. You know, they're making the explicit videos. They're you know naked all the time. Like this is a major blow, no matter how you slice the. No matter how you slice it, uh, this is going to be very, very bad for content creators everywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, it has to obviously do with like, you know, investors, probably just like the, it's got to be like the financial side of it. And also just like, if they're, if they're trying to get more like, you know, credibility in their business model, just like stray away from it. But I mean, the old saying goes, it's like sex sells, sex sells and the, the amount of money some of these people are making, not even like, I guess they're, I guess the argument to that is it's like you, you have your key players like um, Corinne Kampf or that uh, Tana girl who like are just selling nudes and making millions and millions of dollars, which is kind of crazy. But I mean, in terms of like blowing up a business model and restarting for such a new company, there's gotta be some red flags into why. And they really haven't gotten to the details, but it's like, I, 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 I don't, I, I, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we've talked about this a couple of days. We're like, yeah, we'll add it to the show. And it's like, but why, but why, why are they doing this? Like, it's going to hurt their model. And there's just going to be a new only fans that does it. Right. And it's the whole thing that, you know, a bunch of news outlets picked this up this week. They're talking about their investments and the way that they went to market with their investors and they all have, they have like zero investor confidence. Yeah. All the investors go, no, I don't care about, you know, monthly active users or anything like that, which is so different from what you see normally on other social media platforms. It's look at companies like Uber that have literally taken losses for years, but have been on the top of investing lists because they just have so many people that use their platform. I guess we saw the confidence behind it. it yeah. We saw everything against it in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like apples and oranges, but you have to, you know, look at the numbers numbers behind like Pornhub and like the subscription model behind that. Because it's like if people are clearly paying for it, then why would OnlyFans, you know, stray away from that? I I can't give you yeah. an answer. <laughs> I can't. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where like they say this, everyone's like they got their you know news credibility. You know, it started getting into like you know major news outlets picking it up and conversation they're going to be like all right just kidding like we're not going to do that there's no way like like 
you're telling me they don't have like a council of people or like a board being like, hey, maybe we should like hand up. This isn't a good idea. Right. And I mean, you know, they were looking for a, a billion dollar valuation. I see on CNN business here, you know, VC firms are, it says VC firms are often wary of associating with adult content. You know, I, I understand it. I get but, it. But, but look at where we're at in social media right now too. I mean, where users literally are the only things and besides, you know, making a, a little bit of a promise for revenue, right? Like users are the only thing that these VC firms are after. And we just kind of saw it back out here, which is yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, I think they're also looking into their model. It's like of content creators having like this, a platform to host premier subscriptions and like also provide content that like you can't post on YouTube and you can't post on Instagram. You know, TikTok gets a little like dicey at some places too. It's like some people get stuff taken down, but others don't. Yeah. And it's like all about different guidelines, which like never makes sense because it's like you have some of these big players that are just like doing the same dances and kind of like on the edge of nudity, but they're still like one can get pulled and what doesn't. So like that offers them like, the sky's the limit that this is like, hey, anything flies here, but now it's getting more censored, like censored. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm confused with this. And I, I think you're right. I think there's more to this story, right? And I think maybe we'll get this soon. You know, a couple of weeks yeah. when it settles, they'll be like, all right, this investor said OnlyFans can't do, you know, is screwed because of this. And Another thing is like, all right, if we stop paying out to creators because they're not doing this content, like, are we getting, like, are they going to shift the content that they create or want people to create, I guess, is the question. And the answer is going to have to be yes in some yeah. ways. Well, you're starting to see that. Yeah, you're starting to see that shift. You have like, I think it's like Floyd Mayweather has one of like just him fighting. Like, it's like his like, like behind the scenes of his practices and stuff like that. Then you have like, you know, podcast creators like doing like, oh, never before seen like footage of this interview or something like that, doing that as well. So it's like, it is making that shift, but you know, everyone knows OnlyFans as like the sex side of it, not like the content creation side. Yeah, I agree. So maybe we will see more like, you know, if a couple athletes get on board, then this can work, right? Or yeah. not even just some influencers, right? That, you know, I think of all the makeup people on TikTok, right? Uh, the fashion people, right? Those are two areas that right off the bat, you're like, oh shit, you know, maybe it would make sense down the road. But regardless, I mean, anytime that you remove permissions from a, a group that's paid out, I'm looking for the number now, uh, $5 billion, over one and a half million creators. And you have Cardi B and Bella Thorne uh, that are way up there. They dumb money. 150 million users total. It's like, that's, that's a red, major red flag. When you start removing permissions from those creators, probably not the best idea, but yeah. again, it remains to be told here. So crazy stuff. I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about OnlyFans and I, maybe this will get me into it. I don't know. Um, no. Maybe not. <laughs> Let's talk about Amazon. I haven't talked about Amazon in a few weeks besides uh, Andy Jassy taking over uh, at the beginning of July We've got some brick and mortar stuff and we've seen Amazon play in the space for sure with the grocery stock or grocery stores where you don't have to scan items or anything like that. And it, you know, just auto charges your prime account from whatever you take, you put it into your cart and you see it on your credit card statement. They're doing department store style shops in the U S this is really cool. And I was in the Norwalk mall a couple of weeks ago 
uh, saw an Amazon four star store for the first time ever. And those I are had, cool. Those are cool. I had no idea what it was. Walked in, immediately started talking to the guys. I go, everything in the store has been rated four stars and up by consumers. Everything you see is the best price. I'm like, all right, shit. That's actually a really cool strategy. And now they're doubling down on it. Uh, they think consumers like it. They think their brand strong enough. Very interesting case study because Amazon whole MO was you don't need to go to a brick and mortar store, you know, buy something online. It'll show up at your doorstep the next day. And now they're doubling down on, all right, we can get asses in the malls, in the stores, things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's weird because like Amazon was the killer of malls. Amazon was the, the nail in the coffin to most department stores. So now, you know, <laughs> full, the full circle, you know, it, it comes all around that they're taking over and becoming these brick and mortar stores. It's like, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers. It's like they own 40% of online shopping in the United States. Holy shit. Which is like insane. Um, and I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of going to be like a Sears, JC Penny, TJ Maxx kind of thing. It's like, you're going to be able to buy clothing, household items, electronics, and other merchandise prominently there in-house brands. Oh my God. So yeah. And I mean, they're probably going to have the technology like they have in those, you know, the grocery stores where it's like, you could just pick it up and it goes in your cart, which is like wild. I mean, that's a whole, a whole thing in itself, but yeah, it, it, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I feel like it's at the point where Amazon has the name, you know, the brand itself that whatever it touches will turn to gold. Um, I do find it interesting though, that like now all of a sudden, especially with like COVID risings and we might have another lockdown maybe or not that like they want to take this approach where it's like, hey, like you're already going to buy stuff online and people don't like to shop in stores anyway. But hey, let's just make one. It'll probably be like a novelty. Be like, yo, there's Amazon stores. Here's the thing. I mean, they did it with the luxury fashion stuff. I had no idea they even did this. They partnered with Oscar De La Renta to do the, the luxury platform and then the store. And so this is not like, I guess they just did that to prove that it works, right? Hey, let's start with a small, you know, a couple of small concepts. And then if we can like, you know, down the road, transform the way people shop. I mean, it's kind of scary to think about five, 10 years. Are you going to go into a mall, take whatever the hell you want off the store or like the shelves? And, you know, it just pays for it when you walk out, you just see it hit your credit card. Yeah. This is a crazy stat that like, even um, even though Amazon you know, has this rapid control and growth of online shopping, physical stores still make up 84% of the total retail sales in the US, according to the Census Bureau. Yeah, that it does make sense because you have those people that still like, it's amazing how well technology has been embedded in people's lives lately, and especially Amazon's technology. I mean, you can't go into a house like, you know, without seeing an Echo product more than likely, but there's still those yeah. people that are like, shit, I'm going to the mall, you know, and, and our demographic does that too. You know, it's like, all right, there, you can't really replace going around and shopping. You know, if you go around to a town, right? Like a, if you're on vacation or something like that, I mean, it, that, that part's still not going to go away, which I guess yeah. estimated how big that part was. No, I agree. I think what's going to be the telling tale of this, it's like, if their prices just still knock everyone else's out of the water. Yep. you know and i mean like you're not paying for shipping if you have prime so i wonder what kind of benefits you are at being a prime member um if you can kind of get those deals of the day kind of the situation i mean they're probably gonna you know just tie it in with the food aspect too 
which is cool. It's, it's, that's a weird one too, because it's like, they're going to start these other supermarkets or these mini marts, even though they also have Whole Foods. It's like, they're just, I mean, it's, it's the world we live in. It's, it's, it's Apple, Google, Amazon, Disney. Mm-hmm. It's basically, you just basically listed the Fang products like Facebook, Apple, what is it? Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. That's Fang. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like Netflix is blew a lead. They kind of did. Do we have to replace them now? Is it, we can't say, if you take the N out, you can't say what the acronym is. Yeah. And uh, Facebook's kind of like, eh. Because then you'd have to say, I, well, I mean, I guess you could say FOG, F-A-A-G, because you take the N out. What about, you got to throw the D in there for Disney. Oh, yeah, it's true. FOG. FOG. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with acronyms for that. Dank. D-A-A-N-G. D-A-A-G-F. Dagf. Dagf. Dagf? I don't know. <laughs> either way. Either way. <laughs> um, to close the... I do have one more business thing. Do you have one more business thing? Oh, cool. I'm going to ask you before oh. this. If you, if let's say tomorrow, this Amazon store pops up in Providence, are you rushing to it? I mean, you have to go. Yeah. You know, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a part of not to say like, Oh, it's a historic moment, but like you are witnessing something that it's like Amazon is those business cases that like will be studied upon for decades. Like, you know, history books in the future, well, there probably won't even be books, but history records will show like the inception of Amazon and its crazy business model and the different paths that they grew. So it'd be cool to see something where it's like, I mean, there's been plenty of times on Amazon where you're like, oh, I need this. But like, you can't like, for example, like we needed the beer bottles. We, you know, we were bottling beers. Our guy was closed, ordered it the next day it came. So clothing wise, I don't really buy clothes on Amazon. Um, I'm still one of those people that like, likes to touch the clothes in general and like try them on. Um, but yeah, I feel like it is, it, it's going to hurt the companies like TJ Maxx big time, especially I, if they start getting other people's brands too. I mean, I know it said it was like prominently their own brands, but if they start housing other people's brands. Pff, place like that is going to get hurt. I very much agree. Um, my, my initial reaction is yes, I am rushing there. Yeah. Uh, I can get the shit that Amazon sells in, you know, in five minutes, I'm in. Right? Yeah. I want anything that's going to make my life easier, more connected. Right. So I think uh, Amazon is the way to go. Um, you had one more business item. Yeah. I feel like this was brushed under the rug Friday. Um, why people aren't up in arms talking about this is kind of disturbing. Tesla robots. Oh, yeah. Tesla robots. Are we out of our minds? Are we dumb? Are we like, I know Hollywood is very, you know, cinematic and bullshit, but I mean, this is the start of the end of the world. He legitimately allows, he's going to allow this to have a vehicle AI inside of it. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So if you missed Elon Musk and Tesla announced they had their um, AI day on Friday and they were talking about their, you know, autopilot technology in the cars and different initiatives that Tesla was doing in the future. And then they announced the Tesla bot, a robot that is going to be humanoid function. And its purpose is to 
take over the dangerous, repetitive, and boring jobs that Americans do not want to do. So we're already now, which can get into a whole nother tangent, but you know, it's already having a hard time for people like obviously finding work or people hiring these people don't want to work with the pandemic, entering these robots, right? That are just going to do all these jobs. They're going to be able to work as long as possible because they're a robot. Um, but the real kicker was the jokes that Elon Musk was saying about like, oh yeah, like don't be weary, don't be scared. Like there's no need to like worry about like a robot takeover. They're not strong enough or fast enough to do to, you know, be like you, you should have no fear because you are stronger than them and you are faster than them. I think they can lift like 45 pounds and like go up to five miles per hour. But I'm like, can't, if it's AI and AI, like, you know, takes its, you know, artificial intelligence obviously scans the surroundings and adapts from there, like, and technology can have updates and stuff. It's like, we are just like setting ourselves up for failure. Like they are going to be smarter than us. They're going to be stronger than us. And they're just going to be like, no, I don't want to do this. And then take over. Like, I am actually like rattled by this and how it got so slept under the rug. And the fact that like, no one's just being like, oh yeah, like we should probably like not do this. Like there should become like regulations. I don't know. That's my rant. Is this not how all the science fiction movies start? Literally. literally it. It's, oh, you know, it's a robot. It eliminates the, the mundane tasks. And then all of a sudden you have a robot takeover like Westworld. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, you know, I, I talked about this for like hours and hours on Friday. And I'm just like, why is this not being like publicized more? Like it was just like, oh yeah, Elon Musk doing Elon Musk, Elon Musk doing Elon Musk things. Um, you know, he's just making a robot. It's cool. And then just was gone. The weekend's over. And it's like, oh yeah. All right. On to the next issue. It's like, what the fuck? How long does this guy get a free pass? That's the question. That's what it is. It's just like so baffling. It's like, and not even like the robot takeover side, which is one thing. It's like, we just called out American laziness and like the flaws in our economy. And instead of like saying like, all right, maybe we should work on improving people's work-life balance or, you know, making it more, you know, affordable to work, like not, you know, raise minimum wage or like just make working conditions better. They just said, screw that, screw the people. Let's just put robots in because they'll, they'll do a better job and not bitch about it. Right. And now it's just going to be like, they'll have, Tesla will have a deal with like the government. So the government will continue to pay people stimuluses and they just sit there and do nothing, provide nothing to society. And then like, you're going to have these robots just working everything. And now we're back to square one of like, what the hell is going on? The country's in shambles and the rich get richer. Mm -hmm. Westworld. Uh, Elon, Westworld. We, we should have called this years ago because Elon loved Westworld. He he loves Jonah Nolan, very tight with him. He's like, screw it. Hey, Jonah, you want to like map this out so I can figure out, you know, what my world is going to look like after I make these goddamn AI humanoids? Yeah. Damn. I mean, Will Smith didn't, <laughs> didn't film iRobot for none of this. Like, <laughs> oh, like, this is just, this is bad news. This is bad news. Yeah, this is some pretty bad shit, huh? Yeah, your blog was pretty like that. I, I was a little, I left a little concerned. I was like, what are we doing? Like, why is this just so like, oh yeah, it happened. Like, it, like the fact that like major companies, like major networks didn't like use this as a sign of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't like, we should keep an eye on this guy. I don't know. It's all collusion. It's all, you know, the re the rich elite. It's, it's, it's a 
it's messed up, man. The simulation is just we're we're in it. We're in for a good one. Buckle up, people. This is crazy. Yeah. That's business. And you know, for for end of August, it's pretty jam-packed because we went from last week going up, shit, not a bunch going on. Like Warren Buffett's doubling down on supermarkets to oh my god, we're gonna have robots take over yeah. the world. So yeah. Transition. There's a lot going on for the end of August for sure. Um on a lighter note, much lighter note, we're going to get into balls and Jess Kleinschmidt's back. Um, we'll plug the All A's podcast for her, which we I don't think we did, um, except with a quick mention at the beginning. Um, been killing it on NBC Sports as usual. Uh, covers the Giants and the A's out West. And uh, we talk all things baseball with her, really. Um, you know, basically every division, every team, uh, the trade deadline, what's to make of these next couple of weeks as we get to playoff. So let's do it. Here's Jess Kleinschmidt from NBC Bay Area. No, but we're happy to have you back. You are. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Jess Kleinschmidt is our favorite baseball analyst in 2021. And she's back on the show. Jess Kleinschmidt. Welcome back to the BBB pod. <laughs> like, it's like the best walk-up song you could have. Stand oh my right. Absolutely. Goodness. No, I mean, we know you're super busy, but we do appreciate it. Um, and it's going to be an interesting one too, especially with our Yankees are now slightly over your Oakland athletic. Wild cards getting a little snug like my mom jeans. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we'll, we'll just dive right into it. Well, we'll actually, we'll start with the A's. You know, we'll, we'll start with the Klein-Schmidt corner. They're fighting for that wild card spot. Um, they're having a pretty good year. I mean, the A's have been each year getting better and better. You guys acquired Starling Marte, who's been red hot since the um, all-star all-star break and the trade deadline. Uh, Sergio Romo and Matt Olson both having pretty impressive seasons. You know, what are the biggest catalysts of the A's right now? And, you know, why are they doing so well? You said it straight up. Starling Marte has just been insane. Um, and I, I want to give the entire acquisition kind of haul some credit that the front office did, not just Starling Marte, but bringing on Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison was really, really imperative. And bringing on uh, Andrew Chapin was great too. Um, I talked to David Forrest actually after it, and I was like, it's kind of anticipating another bullpen um, acquisition, but he did say, look, we wanted to, but the bullpen market was just so insane. So I, I think honestly, no bias, bias aside, um, that the A's had quietly the best uh, trade deadline in the league. And especially in this scenario, this season where heading into all-star break, every team was kind of up in the air. I know West was looking interesting. Of course, the Giants are dominating that, but between Starling Marte, how they did in the, in the um, trade deadline, um, of course, Matt Olson, like y'all mentioned, is doing amazing, very much a long time coming. Then he got that all-star selection. Um, bad timing to bring this up, but Chris Bassett up until last night, of course, was having a very, very strong season. Um, so him taking that setback certainly is terrible, but I mean, that guy's just dominant on the mound. Um, the bullpen's finally getting better. Matt Chapman's getting a little bit better at the plate, which is fantastic to see. I feel like Elvis Andrews definitely stepping up. Uh, we were a little nervous about him heading into the season, but after we kind of backed off and did what he needs to do, he's stepping up. Um, and then of course, let's like not sleep on Mark Canna either. The guy is getting on base, whether that means he's getting plunked a lot, whatever. Uh, but you know, I even talked to Bob Melvin about that. I was like, 
when you get hit by a pitch, is that considered a skill? And he said, as long as Mark's healthy, sure, we can call it <laughs> a skill set. Um, and that guy's just, I mean, you're kind of an animal if you just want to get hit by the ball each time. So they have all the ingredients it takes to make it to the postseason. Um, obviously, with Chris Bassett out for a little while, we have no idea what the next step's going to be with that. It'll be interesting to see. But the good news is, um, Dalton Jeffries, he might be the guy that kind of steps up to replace him for a while. And that guy um, is doing phenomenal things. And even Chris Davis, he's back and he's, we're going to see how that turns out. And then Chad Pinder should be back after a few rehab games. So, so far it's looking good. So this bullpen's kind of carving it up and I'm, you know, before this, I'm like, who's even on the, the A's bullpen anymore? And there are guys like you mentioned, Jake Diekman, Romo, uh, mm-hmm. Yusmero Petit, who everyone knows for coming in out short of that no hitter, but these guys are not spring chickens, right? They're in their mid thirties. So how you cool is that? that? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I'm going to go on record. The analyst did not say it. It's Jake all made. Diekman is a huge listener to this podcast. So just so we know that, um, no, but <laughs> I feel like the thing I like about, um, you mentioned Yusmero Petit, the guy just has ice in his veins. And the thing that was beautiful about Sergio Romo, that if you look at his numbers, they're just fantastic. Up until recently, we couldn't even remember the last time Sergio Romo gave, gave up a hit. And the good thing about that was, you know, Yusmero Petit was taking on a huge workload and he was capable of it and he would do it, but it's fantastic. And obviously last night was a really bad example because Birch Smith, came out um, really much earlier, but he did that a few outings before. Um, and I can't, I want to say it was Sean Mania who came in to relieve in like the third inning or something crazy, but Birch Smith handled it and he did a really good job uh, last night. Obviously we're going to put it up to a wash and nobody, nobody couldn't care less about that game. Um, but it, it just kind of came down to that. Uh, Jake Diekman, of course, hasn't been as um, maybe consistent as he would like, but the way that the guy pitches no, no batters like to face him just about his wonky delivery, but let's not sleep on AJ puck. That guy's been absolutely phenomenal. He stepped up. Of course, we're kind of anticipating him be being a starter, but you want to talk about a spring chicken. If that guy can stay healthy, I think the A's kind of just gave birth to this wonderful bullpen piece and Andrew Chafin. I don't even think he has any sort of numbers on that ERA right now. Um, so that's good as well. Um, but other than that, I feel like if you want to talk the spring chicken talk, you need those veteran arms in there to kind of make things happen and, and everything like that. Uh, Liam Hendricks is irreplaceable. And I think we all knew that, knew that. But even now, I mean, lately, Liam Hendricks numbers haven't been what we're used to. I'm used to a, a Liam Hendricks with the sub two ERA, of course. And obviously, you know, he has a higher workload being with the White Sox. But the A's did what they could and kind of brought on a couple more new arms to make that happen. And I, I'm pretty impressed so far. I mean, Romo's literally had over a decade of experience using a softer pitch, a secondary pitch. So that alone is kind of impressive. And there is one pitcher that stings just a little bit when we're talking about the A's and that's James Caprillion. Um, I mean, oh, it sucks. He's doing so well for the A's, huh? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, it's like one of those things. It's like, well, you know, actually we've never asked you this opinion either because it's like Sonny Gray was that promising pitcher so many years ago for the A's. And it's right. like, he got traded to the Yankees. It didn't work out. He's had an off year. I mean, he had some injuries, injuries this year with the Reds, but last season he was lights out for the most part. It's yeah. like, is he kind of like out of sight, out of mind for Ace fans with all this new talent? And, you know, you have these just great pitchers overall, or is it still one of those players where it's like, oh, I wish Sonny Gray, 
you know. You know what? I, I will say yes and no. The only reason why is I think Ace fans are just used to these pitchers getting shipped off. Um, even look at Lazardo. Like at first it was tough for me because I do love Lazardo just as a human being. Um, but if you think about it, that's kind of the A's MO. They stretch out these young, talented, promising pitchers and ship them off. So they're used to that first and foremost. And second of all, if you look at Dalton Jeffries, not only does the guy kind of resemble Sonny Gray physically, but I feel like he just is going to take over that presence. And even talking to Chris Bassett on all A's, he said that Sonny Gray taught him so much. So the spirit, if you will, of Sonny Gray is certainly there. And every time he's in town, we make sure that the the NBC Sports um, covers him because he is still that attachment. But I think the A's fans are just kind of used to it. So you know that's a sad revelation but it makes sense um, yeah i mean like we're just kind of numb to it you know and yeah and it wasn't it was actually trevor plouffe who mentioned the lazardo thing because i would like we were kind of shocked with the Marte um acquisition but mama kim ang killed it in that not to mention the ace still got cash in that trade which was yeah. fantastic and probably the best acquisition the best hitter on the trade market whether we wanted to admit it or not um but plouffe said i know you guys are kind of you know, I want to say upset, but a, it was a win now mentality, which I was very impressed that the A's did B it was the MO. Like we stretch out these pitchers and ship them off. And I say, we, I need to stop doing that, but you know what I mean? Like that's what the A's like to do. And I really feel like Lazardo's still not even near where he's supposed to be because his stuff is nasty. I've never seen so much more movement on a fastball in my life. And I really think he has a chance to be a Cy Young award uh, winner, at least in discussions in the few years. So that's what they were anticipating. Um, but overall, I think it was a really good job by both parties. So let's talk more about the trade deadline too. And I want to start with posing a question to you. Do you okay. think that, you know, who had the better deadline, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask here. The Giants with Chris Bryant or the A's with Marte and Harrison? I have to say the A's and that's not me being biased. I feel like the Giants didn't, and this is no disrespect, they didn't 100% need Bryant. It was more of like an FU acquisition. But you know what I mean? Like it, they would have been fine. Like obviously Longoria was injured and showed that kind of heightened it. But storylines, Bryant deserves to be on the Giants. That's how I felt about Evan Longoria years ago. That dude should have been on the Giants forever ago. And Bryant, it was a beautiful story um, to bring on a guy like that who always wanted to be on the Giants. He grew up with, uh, wanting to be uh, Barry Bonds, watching him hit and everything like that. And just a good dude. So I th- feel like they would have been okay. You know, they were doing, like if they wanted to bring Jason Vosser to be their semi-permanent third baseman, they would have been okay. Uh, Timeline-wise, um, they would just be without Evan Longoria maybe for a couple, two to three weeks after the trade deadline, which was fine. And then Longoria gets back and he hits a bomb. So like you knew it was fine. So I, I feel like the A's definitely had a, a better um, acquisition, not to mention like how beautifully it worked out with acquiring Marte and to have Laureano get suspended and then Josh Harrison being acquired and then uh, kind of being a Chad Pender, Tony Kemp type when we're waiting for Chad Pender to get back. So I would say the A's and then Jan Gomes, we, we need to talk about that too, because Bob Melvin is obsessed with having a veteran catcher on that team. No disrespect to Sean Murphy because the guy, you forget he was a rookie last year and because he has one of the best play calling abilities in the game as a second year guy and he needs a break. He'll never admit it, but the guy <laughs> will need a break every now and the guy literally had a collapsed lung and acted like it was like nothing like, <laughs> we're talking to him. He's like, yeah, you know, I had two sur- surgeries for a collapsed lung. I remember like the zoom call. We're just like quiet. We're like, are you, are you okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> <You're> right, <man. laughs> 
That's crazy. Wow. So it, I, I would, I would definitely have to say the A's in that. Yeah. And I mean, the A's needed to make those moves to stay competitive. Yeah. Like uh, the giants, obviously they were still top of the table, but you had the Dodgers and the Padres who were going to make a splash in some way, shape For or sure. form. It's like they needed, they needed to do that. Um, I guess while we're on the topic of that NL West, it's like the giants, I mean, the giants as a whole, it's like their pitchings come together, you know, Crawford's having a great year. Um, were you surprised as, you know, in the role you are to see them this far up above the Dodgers and the Padres when they were the talk of the town a few months back? I would be remiss if I acted cocky saying like, oh, I knew they'd be good, but I, I did head into the season saying they're not, and I have to take it back now. I said, there's no way in hell this team's going to be a top of the NL West. And I feel like the evidence and the evidentiary support backs me up on that. You know, obviously with Trevor Bauer and all of his struggles, he's out right now. He was kind of going to be that deciding factor before they even looked at Max Scherzer and bringing on Trey Turner um, onto the team. And then of course you have the Padres with Tatis Jr. And uh, Cronenworth, like these guys, you thought it just fantastic. So I can't be naive and say, Oh, I knew it, but I knew they'd be a team that would piss off the rest of the NL West. We didn't even think about the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Mind you, I didn't realize the Diamondbacks were going to be struggling as much as they did, but I, I don't think anybody foresaw how the Giants did. And you mentioned Crawford, but like, look at freaking Buster Posey, dude. Like, are you kidding me? Talk about guys who are not spring chickens. I mean, he's yeah. he's one of them. <laughs> I can't wait to turn however old he is. What is he, 37, 34, something like that? Like, I can't wait to be like that. And even Brandon Belt, like, the guy just wants to, like, be come off the aisle. Like, I think I'm just going to hit, like, 75 home runs in the next three games. <laughs> like, okay. You know, and, and you mentioned, like, if you look at their depth, too. They didn't have to get rid of Joey Bart to get Chris Bryant. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Farhan what the dude Farhan's going around like signing autographs at games <laughs> such big daddy energy are you kidding me and then you know Alex Dickerson he comes through clutch we haven't even seen peak Mike Yastrzemski again and yeah. so that's just like an all and you mentioned the starters and then bringing on Tony Watson who absolutely thrives with the Giants and I pff, stop it it's unfair it's unfair yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like they would still thrive in any division whether it's a struggling NL West or any anywhere else. I I really want to see how they can master up against like other types of teams because su such an interesting interesting competition across the league right now. But yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Giants. And you don't make a quote card of me saying I, we will we will. <laughs> but you didn't even mention uh, Tommy Listella on that team as well. Oh yeah, that's because I forgot about him. I'm the reason. Thank you. I'm just gonna. Um, Alex Pavlovich, if you are listening, he's the Giants insider for NBC Sports. Um, had no idea Tommy Listella even existed until I said something. That's very ASMR. <laughs> but, but I also, I would the guy, Listella just like blows my mind. Like the fact that they had him, David Fletcher on the same team. Like I feel like Tommy Listella, I don't know. I feel like he has like soprano connection somewhere oh, just like make, make a phone call and either like take care of some business or have like an Italian sub delivered to you <laughs> either way he gets stuff done yeah he just came off the IL and the guy's insane he's David Fletcher-esque but like they both don't talk but they both like make a lot of noise and 
nobody even knew Tommy Listella existed until I just like went crazy. And that was a good acquisition by the A's last trade deadline too. So you're right. I didn't even talk about him. Look at that. So, so what you're saying is because of his Italian roots, he should go play with Gallo and Rizzo in New York, right? And do just this hand motion all day. Um, absolutely not. You need, you need like the West Coast versus the East Coast. Tommy okay. Listella can handle everything on the on the west coast they can do like a little west side versus east side 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 correspondence oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah i i I like it and again it would not be covering your favorite teams if we also didn't mention your favorite player joey Votto. what a freaking menace he has been i mean last month i know player of the month i think there was a stretch of seven straight games of home runs with like 11 Mm -hmm. total that like and Again, we're going back to the not a spring chicken. He is not <laughs> a spring chicken. It's a resurgence of the old guys. Let's go. Here's the thing. The moment a, a baseball player blows out 30 candles on his birthday cake, you drop him from your fantasy team. Not in 2022, my friends. That's not going to happen. And you know what? I I love it because it's we were so obsessed with like, these younger guys, this is no disrespect, like the Tatis juniors of the world, bat flipping and doing all these crazy cool things. It's like, you got to still respect your elders. You still got to respect your elders. And Joey Votto, just an intelligent human being when it comes to the game of baseball. And yeah, I, the guy, like I freaking told y'all, I told y'all and you guys are just like, okay, it just, it's, she has this weird like affinity for Joey. Just watch one game. Oh, I'm sorry. Watch seven games of his. Yeah. yeah. The results speak for themselves. And after that, he gives you an amazing interview. There's nothing better than that. That is like just peak baseball fandom for me. Yeah. Total class act. I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably eventually see him in Cooperstown um, at, this, at this trajectory. So crazy stuff. Real quick, before we tie the bow in the Giants, I was today years old when I found out Scott Casimir is still on this roster, a 37-year-old Scott Casimir. Is he technically um, on the roster? I have, I, it says it on baseball reference. It could be wrong. He I was there though. So the, the last I heard he, he was released. That um, is probably more accurate. Or DFA. I don't know the actual term, but, but he was on team USA. Yes. Okay. He was on team USA. And his hair looked like I like sat next to him at warp tour. Like he's really going for oh, it. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. Wow. What a weird career he had. That's well, like, just look at like the giants transaction just because it was like, Michael Talkman, and then like Michael Talkman dominates, then he gets released, then Casimir gets on the team, then he gets released. It was just a weird thing of, of transactions. But I mean, Casimir is like a summer chicken. We're not gonna call him a spring chicken necessarily, but he's definitely a summer chicken. Um, but the guy, I mean, I love a guy who just like you look up, oh, he still has somebody still hiring him, you know, and I, I feel like that'll always be the case. And he stayed in shape and yeah. I mean, he was just happy to get the chance too. And I really appreciate a guy like that, but you know, he was on the A's. I think he was on every team really at one point, but I, I like that guy. You're striking a chord with us when you say Talkman, because again, Yankee, you know, worked out for like a week or so. And that's one of those trades that you like, you're like, all right, this was a terrible trade for the Yankees to start off because Wandy Peralta five, five ERA coming in Who the hell is now Wandy's figured it out. And Talkman is not on the team anymore. Yeah. Last we heard. So 
yeah, it's he's crazy. Good, he's good vibes because he like skateboards to the games, which that is a who Wandy or Talkman? Not Wandy. <laughs> I was gonna say Wandy. <laughs> I, mean, I cannot yeah. see Wandy skateboarding no, good Talkman, Talkman down like one sixty first. No way. And you'll actually like this. So Talkman is one of the first guys mm. we all remember seeing skateboarding to the games since Nick Swisher, who used to oh. Be. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice little nod. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Hmm. Mike Talkman. I mean, I feel bad. Like he, he was in that weird spot, like in the beginning of the season, he rightfully earned a spot. The Yankees, you know, obviously he didn't have the options. I think and- he outrighted to triple a, did he not? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and, but it was, that was a shocker. Cause they did DFA him and he out, he was outrighted. He, he uh, decided to go to triple a, which I mean, the Giants AAA, the Giants farm system has never looked better in my life. And, you know, I was thinking about how the A's farm system, it's struggling right now. And it's because, well, they're all the good players finally got promoted. So from that dynamic, but like that alone, like the fact that if you want to be a guy like Michael Talkman and still stay in the Giants organization, that's saying something about the Giants organization. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, just in the landscape of baseball as a whole, I mean, it's always been a talk that like the game hasn't been fun and it's not being publicized about. I don't know if it's because we're more involved in the media landscape or, you know, we're just watching more baseball because it wasn't really here last year and now it's back. But I do feel like this has been one of the most talked about seasons in a very long time. Um, and one thing in particular that strikes that was that historic trade deadline. Um, A lot of big name players on the move. A lot of guys you were surprised on the move in general, teams blowing up, teams building up. What was the biggest impact player besides Marte that got traded or one that you were surprised? You're like, oh crap, I did not expect to see him in a different set of uniforms. What about the opposite? I was actually kind of surprised Trevor, nothing happened with Trevor's story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, cause I was actually at the giants game a week ago for fun. And I was like, Oh, there's Trevor's story for some fucking weird reason. Um, and I, and I, and I think that's what it was. Mind you, like it was such an insane trade deadline. I had to go on TV, like, and I, I, I'm very, very proud of the way I dress and look, but mama wasn't washing her hair. I couldn't do my makeup. I like showed up to (laughs) the TV and I was just, my hair was to the side. And I was like, yeah like what do you got let's go like I was exhausted and and it was because for the first time in a long time I had sources that I could actually use for the first time and tell you what took years off of my life so props to Ken Rosenthal who's a real insider but I so I think that really shocked me and I think even not like Rizal Iglesias not being uh traded was kind of I was shocked about as well not just because I knew the A's were gonna have to face him and he's a tough out um on both sides but I think it was more that, um, and even Trevor story, who isn't much of a talker said, I have no idea what happened, but if you want to flip it and say, maybe the Rockies, nobody's worth, eh, sure. That's fine. Um, and even like the Cubs selling off everybody, I wasn't that surprised by, um, I thought that was actually very well done. Um, so I think that might've been it a little, little surprise that Kendall Actually, I wasn't even surprised that Kendall Graveman went to the Astros. They needed to beef up that bullpen. So I really liked that acquisition as well. Um, that's probably what it was, was how the fact that Trevor's story wasn't dealt. So yeah. where, I mean, realistically, what are the odds he's back in Colorado next year? Oh, not, it's not going to happen. That's, um, yeah. I would put a lot on it. Um, he doesn't want to return. That's as simple as that. And if his agents are good, they'll make sure that doesn't happen. And especially with a guy like that, who wants to win. And I know that's kind of like saying like a broken record, but the guy has one of those 
kind of careers where you're not going to see him in the hall. So you might as well give him a world series type of a, of a outing, if you will, or career. So I, I, I think he's going to be, it's going to, it's always going to be an interesting um, off season with all the shortstops that were planned on, you know, being free agents and he's just going to be a part of that conversation again. And that's good on him. Yeah. I mean, I knew the Rockies were, I, I mean, like you said, it's like surprised that he wasn't trade, but they were definitely going to, you know, make a hard bargain for him. They were not going to, you know, be cheap whatsoever, but I mean, they're losing him for nothing now. And that's what I was thinking of too. Like if that were the case, especially with all the trades and the deals that were done, it would have been like the perfect time for nobody would have batted an eye. If somebody sold, gave up, gave up their firstborn for him. It was like the perfect time at the deadline to do a transaction like that, especially with the weird one like that. So, yeah. And I think for, you mentioned the Cubs you, you thought did it really well, right? They had three yeah. stars. It all were very loyal to Chicago. They had built up the fan base. You know, they were all, of course, World Series winners for the first time and however long it was. Um, yeah. That being said, I was a little surprised to see Rizzo go to the Yankees. And I was even more surprised, actually, this is probably against popular opinion, to see Baez go to the Mets. I really was. Um, was the shell shock there to see? What were you most surprised by? One more time. What were you most surprised by? What were you most surprised by, Baez or Rizzo? I, don't know. I think probably Rizzo to the Yankees because you have a guy like Void who just slammed with the injury bug. You know, that's their response. Yeah. Hey, all right, hey, you know, this is insurance. This is somebody we want in New York, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I thought it was a little surprising to see both of those. I'm curious to hear what, what you thought. I, I think I'm still like, at a point where once they acquired John Carlos Stanton that off season, nothing surprised. Like Cashman's always in the play. Yeah. Period. And like it's like Cashman's always there. And there's like Jerry Depoto kind of like looking at you, like, what are you gonna do? What you got? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Jerry Depoto like randomly make a, a weird play like that. But so I'm I'm no matter what the Yankees do, I'm honestly never surprised. Period. Mm-hmm. I I was more shocked that the A's got Marte than probably any other transaction that was more toward the A's don't make these type of transactions than anything. So that never, I think I was more surprised with the Mets getting biased to be honest, just because yeah. the Yankees are maybe not so much because of how like much uh, uncle, what are we calling him? Uncle Steve. Uh, uncle uncle Steve? Steve. Yeah. I think it's uncle Stevie. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Is that what we're calling? Him? I hate I mean, him. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's an interesting guy. On I'm uncomfortable. Media. He's like one of those guys. Oh yeah. I'm like, I like, that's fine. Do what you got. I like we're That's fine. But I shouldn't have called him uncle Steve. Awesome. I'm a <laughs> and there's not many people will just retweeted this today. He's like, all right, now we're just subtweeting our employees. That's wonderful. Like, awesome. Did you see that tweet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sure funny. did. And yeah, I don't even like subtweet the A's like that like somebody one of the guys I cover can get over four he'd be one of my best friends I ain't saying shit you just gotta <laughs> shut up I just don't and it's like I don't know it's very like oh my boyfriend didn't text me back so I'm gonna subtweet it that was the the vibes that I got which I do I'll subtweet a boyfriend who doesn't <laughs> reply but I will not talk crap about an unproductive starting lineup I yeah, just that's not good especially when it's like they're at, they're at least I know at least, yeah, at least know the bats will come around, even if homeboy doesn't text me back. The bats will always come back around. I just oh might get boy. ghosted in the process. It's all good. Totally fine. Oh, totally fine. Absolutely. So 
now looking because I mean, we're blinking the eye and it's almost September, which is just crazy uh-huh. with baseball season is flying by the summer's flying by, but playoff hunts are in full steam ahead. Uh, let's just go down the list. I mean, we'll start with the AL East. It's like the Yankees are creeping. The Red Sox are falling. The Rays are still there. Uh-huh. You know, is there anything that you expect predict you know are you surprised by the red sox sudden fall are you surprised by the yankees you know slowly climbing up the ladder is there anything that you know stands out to you in in terms of that race actually no and i feel like you'd be lying if you would say like oh i feel like the red sox are always i mean that's what's scary about the red sox doesn't matter how they do in the regular season they know how to handle a postseason and that's just the historical whatever it is about it same with the yankees now the a's play the yankees next week and that's, that's going four to be games. A very yeah go tw- oh i know i know <laughs> i, I pre- mom is getting mentally prepared for it oh. um and yeah it's gonna be fun ish or i might die i don't really know um but <laughs> i and that's the thing that i love about that yankees and a series because historically the a's typically dominate when they play at home against the the yankees but this time it's going to be interesting and it's going to be that wild card, which I don't know. I just prayed heading into this season that God wouldn't put me through a one game wild card again, but here we are um, goes to show God has a sense of humor. Um, but it just, it's more or less like I, I was bummed with last season just because the way that the A's handled the wild card series. And I genuinely believe they would have done well, um, period. I think they would have won the AL West, but it was kind of like, oh, you won the AL West? Well, we're still going to make you play a wild card series. Like, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, 2020 was just like bizarre baseball all around, but I kind of like loved it. I was like, inject this into my veins, but like never again. Um, <laughs> and and so that's how it was with, so with this season, I, I wish I could tell you, because I feel like, like I said, like if you look at the numbers, there isn't, between those three teams, they're all capable. They're all dominant in certain ways, but historically speaking, the Red Sox and the Yankees are just better postseason wise. And we know how the Yankees and the A's battle it out during the wild card games um, and everything like that. But this A's team, something special. And I'm, I'm and I'm not just saying that from the regular season stuff. I'm saying that from the veteran presence they have on the team, the fact that Bob Melvin's been able to handle the postseason, they have smart guys in the front office. I really think that they can make something interesting happen. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be imperative, uh, bringing Pinder back and seeing what some, like the fifth starter, who that's going to be and everything like that. But either way, I feel like Bassett's going to be back at least physically to be a good clubhouse guy, which Sounds silly, but last year when Chapman was out, he couldn't be a clubhouse guy when he had the hip surgery and he was, and Bassett won't admit this. He's the leader of that team and he needs to physically be there to help them out. Whether he can pitch or not, I don't think that we need to be naive about that, but I feel like the A's really truly have something special and covering this game as long as I have, I've never seen a better chemistry ridden team than this. A's team. And I think that's going to help them carry into the postseason. You add those veteran guys who know how to handle the postseason genuinely, like don't sleep on them. Do you think they can catch the Astros? Of all teams? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're the one team that can not, not the one team that can ca- capture the Astros, but they're the one team that the Astros know not to mess with. And I don't mean that in like a mean way because the Astros genuinely respect the A's to a certain extent. Every time I tweet about Mike Fires, I hate myself, but it's just <laughs> one of those, 
what can you do? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those things where they know they know how it happens. But postseason Carlos Correa, just don't pitch to him. Just don't pitch to him. Walk him, call it a day. And Alex Bregman, when he is he back yet? I don't think he's back yet. I don't think so. Not yet. He's almost back yet, though. Um, and so when he comes back and everything like that, but of all things, like, and they don't have to worry about Springer necessarily right now, but Carlos Correa in the postseason, and of course Jose Altuve, when you boo him, it's just like it's 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 not fair. I'm so, so sick of the fuck Altuve chance in Yankee Stadium too. I'm so sick of it. But that's what we started. Like the first, my first day back, well, in person was like you know the A's versus Astros, and the A's just kept booing Altuve, and the guy like goes yard twice. I was right. like, hey, I don't think that that's working. It's like <laughs> it might be fueling him. You know, it's at the yeah, point it's, where it's like, it's like that's it their rally. That's their rally cry. It's like whatever happened happened. It's like nothing's changing at this point. Uh, you know the Dodgers are not getting that World Series ring, and these yeah. guys aren't suspended. It is what it is. It's like yeah. we had our moment to be pissed off, but you know more baseball ahead at this point. Yeah, like uh, the mo- I actually have a bigger stride in my step when somebody tweets something mean to me on Twitter. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I feel like my eyelashes are way more on point right now because somebody said I was stupid on Twitter. I'm like, let's go. I mean, who's calling you stupid at this point? Because like, this you is- tr- I mean, people just like are mad at themselves and they want to call me stupid. Well, that's dumb. Because- I mean, well, I would rather than make fun of my physical, my physical appearance than call me stupid. Cause I know I'm a college dropout, but mama has a lot to back up with. You're kicking what ass. Doing. What do you mean? You're good. <laughs> You're good. Well, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't like your question, Will, because you said, you know, who's tweeting stupid stuff at you? The question is, Twitter is a, like, who's not tweeting stupid stuff at anyone? I hate Twitter sometimes. I was actually, all the time. Yeah, (laughs) I was, I started, I I was like dating this guy recently and he was like, oh, I searched your name on Twitter. I was like, why the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) All right, this has been fun. I'll see (laughs) you. I was like, cool. Well, just delete my number from every, he even said, I was like, before you say anything, say nothing. And he was like, Cause he started like, you could see the dots going when he was texting. I was like, don't, he goes, Oh, what? he goes, no, it's okay. Everybody it's Twitter. Everybody said so many nice things about you. And I was like, yeah, just, just don't, don't want to hear it. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. posted there. <laughs> um, let's go to the NL East now. And as opposed to say, we, we hinted at the Mets, you know, all of a sudden we have this weird division in baseball that the Phillies are on top um, kind of just out of nowhere too. So the question is, the Phillies, you know, are they going to be a competitive team when the playoff comes? Hold around? on, one second. Sorry. Um, oh, you're good. You're breaking news. Uh, not breaking news. I'm just getting some people organized. Um, and I have to look at the NL East standings. Continue. Sorry. Ah, cool. <laughs> You're good. All right. NL East, uh, Mets have kind of collapsed. Phillies uh, have somehow That's ended right. up in the, in the <laughs> top the Braves. Seed. Let's go. I don't get how the Phillies have ended up in the top seed here. It's kind of nuts. It almost feels like they don't belong. The question is, do they have enough in the tank to do well when the playoffs come around? The Phillies are interesting to me. Um, and even when people are saying like, oh, Bryce Harper is having a good season. It's for some reason, we're all kind of ignoring that. And I don't know how else to describe that because I was, we were talking about NL MVP possibilities. And of course, 
even if Joey Votto is going 0 for 162, I'm like, oh, it's going to be Joey Votto. Um, but it's with Bryce Harper, it's like, oh, he's actually in the discussions. I think that's amazing. But why don't we put more attention on that? And I don't know if it's because we're over the Bryce Harper thing or he's already had enough MVP talks or all this other stuff, but the Phillies and the Braves, the Braves are always a team that you don't want to sleep on, right? Because even if they're the last in the division, toward the end of the season, they're going to randomly win 20 effing games for gosh knows what. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of like that. And, and so the NL East is always kind of one of those interesting kind of dynamics because they're besides you know the marlins which are all always kind of anticipating struggling and obviously with the national shipping everybody off at the trade deadline we were anticipating this starting from like the nubs but i don't know what to say about those three teams i i like the idea of them but when it comes to like last season with like that expanded playoffs would we have seen some of those teams maybe braves i feel like they're a good team but I don't, I'm not obsessed with every single one of these teams as far as making any sort of postseason pushes. Maybe the Braves and Phillies do the thing where they piss off the rest of the teams. But I do think we need to be talking about Bryce Harper as far as MVP talks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, a few years ago, it was like the Bryce Harper and Mike Trout show where it's like back and forth. And it's like those were, you know, yeah. all the old heads being like the, the future is bright and uh, the league's in good hands kind of thing. But now it's kind of like, I mean, Mike Trout, no matter what he does each season, he gets For hurt, sure. which For is sure. unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, like, and again, like, like the Angels. I'm not going to argue with that either, yeah. but I will say, and I, I know he's suspended, but I did talk to Ramon Laureano and the guy just like dominates against the Angels, period. And I asked him about that. And he was like, when I'm in center field at Angel Stadium, I thrive. And I'm like, that's weird. Like what's out there where like center fielders just thrive? What's going on out there? Like they just like, juju. The they jump on like a Mario Kart mushroom and just like go crazy. It might be like just a combination of good juju and, and like angels, honestly, like ghosts. <gasps> Maybe the angels really are in the outfield. It is the angels in the outfield. Okay. You I like it. Yeah. You start flying. If only they can wear the like the old school California angels oh. from like 1980. Yeah. Just, and we're I, wish, I wish I could like wear that on the red carpet and have it be like considered, you know, cute. Like on taboo. Oh my gosh. It's just like the angel with the wings, like let's freaking go, dude. So good. Honest so thoughts. Good. Do you, do you like that park or no? Angel stadium? Yes. I've never actually been. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, my honest thoughts, I'm going to be very blunt. It felt like, so I went in probably 2015. I heard it's like super, super kind of too clean. So yes, but I'm going to compliment it with, it also feels like you're watching a game in like 2000. Like it, it just not, I don't feel that okay. it's updated. It's probably changed more. Were you guys like even born years. then? <laughs> what, 2000? We were, we were three. Give us Come some on. credit. <laughs> we had to be old enough to host a beer podcast. Yes. That'd be irresponsible. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> TikTok stars are like fetuses and making millions of dollars. Like, we did it wrong. We did it wrong. Yeah, I know. I like, I'm so pissed off. I did not become a major league baseball player. Like, what was I thinking? Every time Garrett Cole signs, I'm like, what was, what am I doing? What am I, what am I doing? It's like, and I'm like, no, the crazy one that hit me the other day was when, um, who's the guy on the Orioles that just retired? Chris Davis. Yeah, Chris Davis. With a C. And where like, it was like, yeah, the Orioles paid like, like, two million dollars for each home run he had or something like that because he had so 
so limited over the past couple of years, but his contract was massive. I'm like, that's insane. I'm like, yeah, had a nice little spark. You got the big payday. And then just, I will say that was probably one of the most heartbreaking type of scenarios I've ever heard. Cause obviously one of my best friends, Melanie Newman covers the Orioles and I was born in Baltimore. So I was raised around the Orioles and I felt like he would have been like the thing to kind of bring you back to like the Cal Ripken days where it was like the historical power hitter bringing like the power because like Cal Ripken Jr. was like the guy who kind of solidified the mid infielders for life and I'm a I'm I love a pitcher scenario like the catchers but a mid infielder is like my T I love a good defensive shortstop and so but I feel like Chris Davis was the beginning of the power hitter generation of like what could be and just honestly just a good human being too mm-hmm. and I loved that about him so that like really broke my heart like that could have been something awesome just like from a baseball romantic perspective and I mean it sucks but that's that's the name of the game right he's not the first guy to ever not produce on a long-term contract so and now with the money that's uh getting tossed around baseball nowadays I mean you know, you have your, your, your Tatises that are getting paid till 2040 and all of this crazy. Well, who would have thought like, oh, Mike Trout, your, your contract was adorable. Like how would right. you never even thought that? And, but he was smart. Like, he's like, I don't want to go on free agent. Like, first of all, I wouldn't have been able to survive his free agency. No, I would not. I've been like, are you kidding me? Like I just recovered from Starling Marte during the, during the train, but yeah, sure. Let's like talk about my trout during the free agency. I didn't deserve that. I would not deserve that. I don't get paid enough. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 would be one of those like big free agents right now. I mean, I guess like Garrett Cole was one, you know, a couple of years ago, but in the near future, they're like that marquee free agent that's going to. We don't talk. I mean, we still have the really big shortstop uh, market that's going to happen. And I feel like they deserve all the love in the world. It wasn't until recently we started seeing more power driven shortstops from, from the plate. You have the Trevor stories and like the Tulowitzkis and those guys, but they weren't really getting paid a lot. You know, I mean, you look at Marcus Simeon and you don't realize how much power he actually has. And, you know, like Corey Seager and of course Baez and like Lindor, all these guys who, and like Derek Jeter kind of started that, you know, I mean, not, he's not like going to be putting up 45 homers, but he's not like going to be lacking any power. And I feel like that's a good start to all of it because I feel like mid, mid infielders with power do not get enough love, not disrespecting pitchers, not disrespecting power outfielders, but I mean, you have people that are shortstops and they can play 20 years, no problem. We don't talk about that enough. I, I agree. That's a very unique perspective that I hadn't heard of because when you think of shortstop, I know, like I know. Stein, these short yeah. guys, like, you know, running around, you think of Derek Jeter. I find nothing. Really... We deserve some effing love, <laughs> damn it. But yeah, the, Derek Jeter's a guy too that people don't think of him like, oh, you know, he was a power hitter, but there were yeah. seasons that he had 25, 30 homers. People do forget that. So you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And like Didi Gregoria, same guy. Like if he stayed healthy, the guy would just be phenomenal. And everybody broke like, our hearts though. Yeah, he did. I know. Yeah, I know. And it's funny that I, I, I was talking to Nick Allen or about Nick Allen. Um, he's the future age shortstop for sure. Um, I'll have to send y'all my article on him. It was my favorites I ever wrote. And I talked to Todd Frazier. They played together on the U S team and Todd said, Oh yeah, Nick Allen reminds me of Didi Gregorius. Wow. And every time you talk about Nick Allen, somebody gives him a phenomenal comp. Somebody said that he's getting compared to Didi Gregorius, Jose Iglesias, um, who just 
closes his eyes and like makes catches in front of David Fletcher. Like <clears throat> what? And who else was he compared to? Oh, so Bobby Crosby, former A shortstop, yeah. is his double A coach. And Bobby was like, oh, Nick Allen was a better shortstop than me. Like, wow, what? Yeah. I don't know if he actually said that, but he kind of likes it. Um, but <laughs> um, so it just like, it's just like stuff like that. I've never seen it. Like, I can't wait to see him play, but I'm a defensive nerd when it comes to midfielder. We told him on a tangent. I'm sorry about that, but that's, that's what <laughs> no, I have. You're giving the middle infield, the defensive infield. They deserve love. the love, damn they it. They deserve the love. <laughs> that's great but all right so we're going to close up real quick uh we'll have a couple rapid fired questions and then what the rest of your year is looking like um we'll start with tatis i mean coming back from injury uh now he might be playing outfield or he is playing out he, he had yeah, a game he, and right or two had a game yeah. and right it's like do you see something where you know you're going to start getting these players now shifting from different positions just to fit on teams or is it like this is just a, you know, a fluke incident for the Padres. Look at Marcus Simeon. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I loved how that was handled. Cause I mean, first of all, that man is pure class. I always joke every time I'd have an interview with him, he would arrive on a cloud. Like the guy is just so phenomenal. And the fact that he was easily able to just shift to, like, he didn't even think he's like, yeah, I'll play second base. Oh yeah. And then I don't think he would have gotten an all-star selection with the A's for some reason. I just have this, this thought that he wouldn't have gotten the, the love and maybe he wasn't going to be producing at the shortstop position. You don't really know. I mean, I feel like that's kind of silly to think about just because it is Marcus Simeon, but I, the way that he transitioned and got paid and all-star selection, and hopefully they have a good postseason because he deserves it. Stuff like that happens a little bit more often now. And it honestly shows that baseball players are athletes. And I feel like half of my job is convincing these people that they really are athletes, you know, like even Matt Olson, like the guy, you don't get to see a defensive caliber player when they play first base as much. But then when you watch Matt Olson play, you're like, dude, you can tell the guy's just good defensively. So I think that is going to happen a little bit more often, um, depending on like the scenarios, but, you know, I'm also used to Matt Chapman who can play shortstop if needed. And when Elvis Andrews was, was injured, they put Tony Kemp at shortstop. They put Josh Harrison at short, at short and outfield and stuff like that. So I'm kind of adjusted to it. Chad Pinder pop him anywhere. He'll do it. Um, so I think the versatile players, they're up there for me with the power hitting shortstops. They don't get enough love and they, you, that, that to me means you're an all around good player. You can be the best shortstop in the world. And maybe the, you need the Cal Ripken thing and maybe shift to third and vice versa type of stuff. But I feel like if you can be versatile, not only is it good for the game, but it's good for your career. I mean, like, look, if you just adjust to be a DH, like Joey Votto is going to play forever. Let's fucking go. And, and just stuff like that. So I feel like that's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And he could be starting a good trend and could be good for a health factor too i mean like if you like he said like people are worried about him playing shortstop as far as the production value goes and, and it depends on how you look at it. i feel like sometimes center field could be just as scary for injuries uh, but i'm used to ramon loriano just playing out all like crazy so it'll be interesting but i like i like the trend that it's shifting toward so we've mentioned a lot of guys that were on the usa baseball team uh the olympics they just got back from tokyo um 
you know, you had guys like, like Nick Allen was one that you just mentioned. Um, yeah. Who else? I mean, Todd Frazier, Tyler Austin, Scott Casimir, Edwin Jackson was on that team. Uh, Anthony goes was an outfielder. Weird, Weird roster. roster. Yeah. They, they, these are all like a kind of a bunch of where the has-beens meet like the rookies or yeah. not even rookies, just like the prospects. Right. So that being said, are you surprised that this team either a got this far or B didn't win gold? Well, I mean, it's the reason why they implemented the WBC is because the Olympics are smack in the middle of summer. None of these yeah, guys yeah. would really be able to play. Um, but you want to the WBC have me on for the next podcast for that because you want to inject that shit in my veins. Let's oh, go. I love the world. Oh my gosh. Um, so that's where it kind of comes down to. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I think I saw some tweets from people who, of course, don't cover baseball, and they're like, "Well, this team kind of sucks." Like, well, of course it fucking sucks. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't even suck. It's just like, you know, you're not going to say a team that has Todd Frazier, Nick Allen does not suck, but you're not going to have the cream of the crop up there. Sorry, Matt Chapman's got other shit to do. Like, yeah. what do you want to say? So I don't really know. I don't, I couldn't really give you a good um, analysis because I don't, I didn't really pay that much attention to it because I was sleeping. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who wasn't? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So even like figuring out how to talk to Todd Frazier, I, he talked to me on a Friday morning, but I was talking to him on a Thursday or a Wednesday night. I don't even know how it worked, but <laughs> it, I was just, it was, it was a mess, but I, so I think it just, it just comes down to that. I sure. I mean, I, I feel like if they would have had, if they did have the Olympics in like October, November, where all the players were available and they didn't want to take a break, they would have won gold. No problem. There's just so much effing talent. It's not even funny. But a lot of respect to the other teams that, like, you know, the other teams that do well. I mean, we all know, like, especially the, the Japanese league, um, they have some of the best players in the world that have played for them. Um, and you can think of like Thames and stuff like that. But yeah, so I, mean, I don't, I wish I could give you an actual scouting report, but okay. Dominican Republic had some, you know, I think it was like Jose Batista, Melky Cabrera. Oh, I mean, it's still like old, but like those were Mexico. You know, I think they've, they had, um, Adrian Gonzalez, was he on? Yeah. yeah, he was on Mexico. So, wow. I mean, Winter Olympics would just make the most sense, especially oh, yeah. trying to grow the game. But yeah. again, this is why we're on a podcast and not in uh, mm -hmm. Manfred's office, unfortunately. Wait, did Ian Kinsler play for Israel again? He did. He did play he for did. Israel. Yeah, and Ty Kelly did too. Ty Kelly, yeah. So, but again, no one, like none of these kids know any of these players. Like the like you and I could be like, oh, Ty Kelly, cool. Be yeah. like, Ty Kelly, he's that no guy offense. that like no talks offense. shit on Twitter. No yes. No Ty <laughs> Kelly. I love you, Ty Kelly. Sorry. No, we, we, we like Ty, we like <laughs> Ty Kelly, no worries. Um, I guess off the rip, final question. If you okay. had to pull from a hat right now, World Series prediction. Oh, fuck. I hate these. I know, but it's like. <laughs> it would, Especially it would, this season of all seasons, it's tough. I know. Can I just like pray for a Bay Area World Series? That was, no, I will never forget when we had you on the first time we asked you like, you know, who's the world, we asked you a very similar question and you're like, well, part of me wants to be like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a Bay Area World Series, of course, like I'd get giddy and stuff and who yeah, wouldn't, I mean, right? Like, you know, I, I would be complaining the entire time because I'd be so busy, but I would love every second of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So then back, backing off, let's do, man. You can honestly say it's a t it's tough, right? Like, it's not, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I don't think no. if you said like, okay, so Bay Area World Series is not a stupid answer, but it's like my fantasy 
Let's I mean, it gets it gets closer every year. Like that's a. Yeah. It's not like you're just like pulling out of the you know. Right. Like out of the so I mean, if you want to look at like numbers, what would I say? What like Astros Giants right now? Would that be? Yeah. Reasonable. Reasonable. I mean, they're reasonable. top of the table. Yankees versus Dodgers. If things get crazy. <sighs> Hate it. You know, like they're all like whatever. I'd rather, this is going to sound shitty, but I'd rather lose, like, I'd rather the Yankees lose early than lose the Dodgers in the World Series. I would. All right. Yeah. I just can't take the heartbreak and pain. The Dodgers just have, like, that team is going to be so good. I don't want to see Scherzer again. He just, he he threw, like, 13 strikeouts in six innings the last time he faced them. I will be honest. He was the only time I've ever been nervous during an interview. Yeah. Oh, during an interview. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, well, cause he, he is, his Jersey was retired during the Arizona fall league. And I was one of three people that like went and I was intimidated as fuck. <laughs> he was so nice, but it was like, also it was my first interviews ever. And I was just like, I couldn't, answer, I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to spell MLB. I did not know what was going on. I was just like, Oh, how cool were his eyes in person? Which one? That's funny. I like that. <laughs> See, that's we, that wasn't a setup. I, I had to just think yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he, but he was great. But I was, I was a little nervous, and he was, he was awesome. But like, I was, I was a baby, and it was Max Scherzer, and my one of the my favorite things that I always say is, I'm so glad I have to write about him. I don't have to face him in the box. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like even if it was me as a woman, he would still just be like cussing and like crazy, and still strike me out, and I'd be like, all right. Yeah, I think he'd, or so either as the media person or facing him or now as the umpire that has to re- uh, substance check him. Yeah, that's Those are all very scary things to have to do. Like, hey, you know, it's cool. I actually think I tweeted about that. I was like, that sucks that somebody has to ask Max Scherzer. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him out of all people. I'd be like, oh, sorry, sir. Yeah, no, <laughs> if you want, hey, I won't say anything if you know. I'd be like, hey, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> that's, not, that's definitely not spider tech, I was going to say, Get on your Max Scherzer's substance checking the ump. Oh, like, yeah. He's probably like, yeah, yeah hand over, hand over you your You got stuff. your fucking spider tech <laughs> on your helmet. <laughs> like, yeah, I do. I'll remove myself. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> Oh, well, that was a great, great session of baseball. Thank you for joining and talking about the sport. Uh, you know, what's the rest of the year looking like? What's what's going on in the world of Jess? I mean, you're, you're writing a little basketball, a little football from time yeah. to time. I mean, I see that. We, we, we catch up on NBC. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, what's, what's yeah, new? No, I'm still writing about all teams Bay Area. Obviously, A's are my main focus and Giants. Um, but I'm still hosting all A's. Um, it's just been a crazy few months. Um, but we're finally being able to do the all A's in person now um as much as i love talking to sean Manaya over zoom i so much would rather doing do it in person um so hopefully we have matt olson and tony kemp for that coming up um i have a really cool article that i spoke to somebody a former coach of a certain player i don't want to admit it too much because i'd rather just like surprise y'all like boom um so i'm doing all of that um, a lot of cool stuff coming up in the off season um and just stuff that i have to like sit down and organize because I have a lot of stuff going on, but I'm thankful for it um, because a lot of hard work paid off for me. So I'm excited about all that. Great. Good to hear. Jess, uh, where again, can our listeners find you on social media, engage with the things that you're working on and keep up with your work? Um, Twitter is at KleinschmidtJD and my Instagram is Jessica Kleinschmidt. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We'll, uh, you know, be 
politely rooting for you next week with the Yankees. I, don't, the, I honestly don't care either way. Cordially might be the word. Yeah, cordially. It's but like the handshake emoji. Insert here. Totally. Just, but, um, just tune into the game. And I don't mind shit talking as long as y'all are paying attention. That's all I can Exactly. <laughs> fair but, enough. I like that. Yeah. That's, a fair, that's a fair take. And uh, I mean, throughout this season, we'll be in your corner always uh, supporting you. So thank you for what you do to the game. Uh, thank you for coming on the show again. And good luck with the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. And that was just Jess Kleinschmidt, NBC Bay Area, um, recurring guest, great friend of the program, and just great interview. I mean, she is doing so many great things for the sport. I mean, she's killing it in the industry. She's so knowledgeable. You can tell it's like, not only is she just like knowledgeable about the sport, but like it also, you, you can see that like fan perspective and it's just not so like, you know, I don't like the sports broadcasters or analysts that are like very like not like polished up is the term, but just like very much like, you know, you can just tell they like don't really have any skin in the game. Like, it's like, do you even enjoy your job? Like you can tell she actually like cares about baseball, which is a dying breed, unfortunately, because baseball is just one of those things where it's like, how do you make it fun? How do you make it appealing? And having someone like Jess out on the West coast, like doing that kind of stuff is just, is great. So we always appreciate having her on the show. Yeah. It's nice. It's, I, I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying, right? It's like, it's not that these kinds of people don't take their job seriously because Jess definitely does. You know, you and I were talking after the interview. She, she's a, objectively a very good reporter, right? She gets news out to, you know, to the right audiences and for the right people. Um, and, you know, on the flip side of that, it's refreshing because it's like, you don't really get a lot of actual journalists out there that are, you know, visibly enthusiastic right so it's it's nice to see that and it's more like baseball too so um you know really appreciate jess go follow her uh, everywhere she's got good baseball content let's wrap it with positivity corner um and you know we'll talk some little league world series next week and stuff like that we'll preview some football uh, we've got a few weeks for football so We'll wrap the bow on balls. Uh, positivity corner, you have something for us this week. Yeah, so we're going to head over to the United Kingdom. Uh, Natalie Tapa, she is a singer, songwriter, and a blind content creator. So she was recently celebrating a birthday where a restaurant by the Gino De Campo group called Luciano um, wanted to make her day feel a little bit special. So as I mentioned, she is blind. What they did was they, when they were bringing out her dessert to sing happy birthday, the chef, you know, caught wind that um, Natalie was blind and he took chocolate and put it on the plate to spell happy birthday in Braille. So when it came out, obviously she couldn't see like what was going on, but they were like, oh, put your hand on the plate. And it spelled like happy birthday, Natalie using melted chocolate. So I just think like, with all the craziness going on in the world, not only with COVID in Afghanistan and, you know, robots, um, you can still find some like kindness in people and people just go in that extra step of, you know, making someone's day special. So probably not listening from over in the United Kingdom, but great stuff by that Luciano group and happy birthday to Natalie. We, we love our friends abroad and we love people uh, that are going out of the way to do stuff like that. So Thanks for making the world a better place. Uh, and that's why we do Positivity Corner. You know, that's what, you, you, when you had that idea back in April, it's, hey, the world sucks. Let's highlight some of the, the good stuff. And mostly it's not just all dogs and ponies and shit. You know, it's actually people making a difference. So it's, uh, it's all good. 
Uh, we've got some merch available on our site. Of course, we've been tweeting out the link and whatnot. Um, shout out to our friends at Squad Locker. We'll hopefully have the chance to talk to them pretty shortly uh, about what they're building and how they're helping us and how they're getting great merch into your hands and onto your body. Go to house-enterprise.com. You made it very easy for these people. Click the merch shop link and you'll get to everywhere you need to be. And yeah, what else? We've got uh, we've got some a very small batch of beer fermenting with whiskey in it right now. We forget about that. That'll yeah, be some beer with Jack Honey. Okay, <laughs> okay, that was one of those that we're just like, oh shit, cool. We'll uh, we'll see what becomes of this. I think it's only a matter of time before we buy a whiskey barrel. It sounds like, but in the ideal world, um, yeah, some beer blueberry beer, some blueberry beer as well. Yes, blueberry beer. Uh, what else we've got? We we get we get everything. The clone imposter. Well, sure, yes, beer. Yeah, there's more beer. Yep, we've got the Julius clone. Um, what else did we forget? We we basically hit on everything we needed to. I think we're good for episode fifty eight here. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, House Enterprise news. You know, keep on the lookout for some new stuff. We got some new creators coming. Um, some big news dropping with that in the coming days and weeks. Like Jake mentioned, the merch. Um, really excited about some of that stuff. We're really going to start pushing it now that we have our hands in some of the pieces as well. You know, maybe we'll throw some videos and photos up on Instagram and Twitter uh, to advertise it. But yeah, I mean, smooth sailing away. We're actually, you know, it's nice to get back into the groove of things. And we have, I think, like six or seven interviews lined up for the next couple of weeks. We already had, you know, three sitting in our pockets uh, waiting to roll out. So good combination of beers, business and balls. Um, so really excited to, you know, hear their stories and share it with them, share them with you as well. Yeah. Some more collab shows in the pipeline. Uh, we'll take a dive into some baseball and potentially some lacrosse stuff down the road too. Um, yeah. Exciting stuff all around. Uh, we'll cap it here. Thanks for listening as always. Uh, hit the follow button on Spotify. Leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, and join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy.